All right, welcome to Jetstream Live. Uh, super excited to be here with Chris Burge. He's the president of B West uh, here in Victoria, BC. Uh, super excited to have Chris here. We're going to be talking about preparing your business to be sold, uh, which is something that Chris has been working with uh, clients on lately uh, and is certainly very interesting, maybe something that people don't talk about enough. So excited to chat with that. Thanks for or chat about that. Thanks for being here, Chris. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Mike. Uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, so maybe we can just start with a little bit of history on yourself and, and B West. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what you've been doing at uh, at B West. Sure. Yeah. So uh, B West, uh, the, the actual name is B West Interactive, or corporately it's B West Communications. But we're a digital marketing firm uh, founded in two thousand nine here in Victoria. Uh, so contrary to the the uh, subject of today's talk, uh, selling a business, uh, we can get into it. Um, but uh, I'm not a business broker or an M&A guy or a corporate lawyer, none of those things. So want to get that uh, out of the way straight up front. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but um, yeah, we do website design and development and really all forms of online marketing. So SEO, online advertising, et cetera. And, and those are the areas that we help most of our, our regular clients and some of those that we have helped to prepare their business for sale as well. But uh, yeah, so digital marketing, that's what I've done for the last 25 years and in the last 12 years, just as uh, B-West Interactive. Very cool. And uh, and where did you get your start in the advertising marketing world? Because <clears throat> uh, I know you've been doing this for, for some time. Yeah, long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, back in the 90s, actually, I was living in uh, Tokyo in Japan. And uh, I was working for a company called the Internet Access Center. So this will tell you how, how far back that goes. Is this, this is when uh, the World Wide Web came to Japan when um, uh, Netscape came out with the first web browser. And uh, prior to that, we had built a BBS bulletin board service for the mm. American Chamber of Commerce in Japan. So if, you, if anyone uh, watching remembers the old kind of CompuServe and AOL way back in the day. So that's what we had built for the American Chamber of Commerce. And when Netscape came along, we trans, uh, transferred kind of everything into uh, websites, uh, the first website. So we were developing websites for uh, all the members of the ACCJ in Japan, which are kind of the Fortune 500. So uh, uh, Budweiser, um, Micron computer back in the day. I don't think they're around anymore. If you remember Micron, I think they got acquired by Compaq. Right, yeah. uh, and some companies like that. And so, um, you know, that was in the 90s. And then I moved back to Canada in 1999 and uh, went to work for McCann Erickson in Toronto uh, and then subsequently uh, Publicis. Uh, so two of the biggest ad agencies in the world, but uh, always in the interactive marketing departments. Uh, and then uh, moved out to uh, beautiful Victoria here in 2004 and launched uh, B West. Um, and uh, although it didn't really take the first time around, and that's a whole nother story, just moving to a small <laughs> city, not knowing anybody. Uh, that's a subject for another talk, but uh, relaunched it in 2009 and have been uh, we're, we're, we're a small crew. We're four people, but we get a lot done. Uh, we call ourselves the uh, lean, mean uh, marketing machine. Nice. Uh, yeah. And so we've got clients, uh, in quite a few in Victoria, but all over the world, really. Um, U.S. Uh, we've got one in Fiji. Uh, never met them, but like to go out and do some research. For sure. Um, yeah. So uh, I've seen kind of every iteration of uh, of online marketing. 
And uh, it's good to see now that finally uh, digital marketing has, has come, uh, you know, full scale. And uh, uh, I was joking with a guy that I used to work with at Publicis uh, that back in the early 2000s, you know, we were like the, uh, the ugly stepchild in the interactive department. We would always get invited to the meetings last, you know, when, when the main part of the agency remembered, oh, yeah, the client might want a website. We better get those interactive guys in. Whereas now it's the other way around. Everything is absolutely. digital and that's where the majority of the budgets are being spent. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember selling <laughs> websites uh, and you had to be so convincing to tell people and uh, have them understand why this website was important and you know, you're know, you fighting against it versus now people are like seeking out, like, how do I get my website? Especially you know, coming out of this pandemic, everyone that didn't really fully realize the value of digital certainly felt that. Uh, you know, during during this time. So it has come uh, a long way, making it a lot more competitive. Uh, but we're certainly not the last ones at the table when we talk about digital and, and creating websites. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. And things have definitely changed a lot. But to, to your point, uh, even the, with the pandemic over the last kind of year and a half, almost two years, things have uh, changed even more, uh, you know, uh, kind of thanks to the government uh, giving uh, small businesses lots of money to mm -hmm. uh, to develop e-commerce. But uh, I know we were kind of one of the, or B-West was one of the beneficiaries of that program because mm -hmm. a lot of our, our uh, well, we got a lot of new clients that uh, had been retail uh, and sort of older mom and pop organizations. And, and this will lead us a little bit into the talk about selling the business because it, it also did uh, encourage or motivate some companies that were thinking they were going to sell maybe in the next five or 10 years to move that schedule up quite a mm. bit. But a lot of these businesses went from just pure retail. Like we had a couple of clients that had, had little stores, retail, you know, a shoe store. Uh, there was another clothing store that had a small website, but, you know, like an old, I don't know, Wix or something like that, you know. Uh, and they uh, they got the money from the government and they uh, had to create a, an online, you know, an e-commerce store, sell online. And so we turned uh, a couple of those out uh, pretty quickly. But but things have changed uh, a lot over the last year and a half, two years. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so so let's jump jump into this. You know, how do you how do you prepare uh, a company to be sold or, you know, how are you working with mm -hmm. these companies and, and uh, you know, what can the listeners learn from yeah. you on on this? So uh, I'll just give you a little backstory first to, to lead into that and why this area became of interest to me and, and why I started to get into it and help clients. I mean, there's sort of two backstories. One is that uh, I also co-founded Social Media Camp uh, back in just, uh, well, 2010, I guess. Uh, and Social Media Camp was uh, Canada's largest social media conference uh, after the 10 years that uh, we had run it and built it up. But uh, in 2019, we sold Social Media Camp and uh, we started to think about that about a year before that. And this is one of those cases where, you know, a lot of people probably find themselves in that scenario where I, I didn't start it thinking that it would ever be sellable or that I would sell it. And I'd never even thought about or considered selling a business. And I think a lot of business owners are kind of like that. They don't start their business thinking they're going to sell it someday. They just do something that they have a passion for they're good sure. at or they you know they want to be an entrepreneur uh but uh we found ourselves in a position of, of wanting to sell the business and so we went through that process and and that's uh it's kind of eye-opening and, and a big learning experience is not nearly as easy as one might think it is uh 
and so I had to, we had to go through all of those steps in order to get it ready for sale, but it did sell about a year later. Uh, and so that really intrigued me as to um, a lot of money that uh, other businesses have left on the table when selling their business. Hmm. Uh, the other backstory to that is even before that, of course, you know, as running a digital agency, one of the benefits and one of the things I love about it is that we get to work with all kinds of different companies. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, we had a couple of clients and one in particular that sold their business. And we had been working with them for about four years doing all their, uh, all their online marketing. We built their website. We're doing email marketing, online advertising. And of course, because of the confidentiality of the nature of selling a business, you don't really let anybody know until the mm -hmm. deal is pretty much done. <laughs> yeah. And so we got a, a call from, um, from uh, her one day saying, uh, hey, I've sold the business. I'm going to introduce you to the new buyer uh, and uh, it's been great working with you. And so that was fine. We met the new buyer and uh, was kind of shocked to find out that the buyer didn't know there was about 10 different digital assets that they didn't have, they didn't know about. It wasn't part of the, the sale. Of course, the website was there, but they didn't know anything about the email marketing, the online advertising, the lead gen, uh, the oh, Google nice. analytics, the value, the SEO value of the domain name. Uh, and they didn't have any of the passwords either. Uh, uh, so luckily, they were introduced to us because we had all of that information. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to get into any of that. Uh, and so that was kind of shocking. But I realized that it's uh, it's not unusual. Uh, there was lots of other businesses that found themselves in that scenario. So uh, I wrote a, a, I just went back and looked at it yesterday. I wrote a blog post about it back in, I think it was 2015 maybe. Um, and, uh, so just talking about all the different digital assets and, uh, uh, the, she, the woman who sold the business probably left, I'm estimating about 20 to $30,000 worth of value on the table, uh, mm. because she didn't include any of those in the sale of the business. And of course, you know, I both know that there's lots of value in those digital assets. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and did you end up keeping the client? Were you able to, you know, keep the client through the transition and they, they stuck with you? I mean, I guess <clears throat> having access to all those digital assets probably uh, helped uh, you out. But Yeah, we did actually. And, awesome. uh, and he was really, really happy that we got introduced <laughs> to him and that uh, we kind of came along because otherwise, yeah, he wouldn't have known about any of those things. And so he discovered that he had a lot more value than than what he thought and so he kind of hit the ground running because we had all these things in place that could could uh, continue to uh, build the business and uh, generate <clears throat> excuse me generate leads and, and push customers in into it was sort of a retail sort of business so um, uh, pushing a lot of people into the business and that's actually happened on two different occasions there was another one where we uh, a client was a, a wellness center uh, and similar scenario, almost identical in terms of how we found out uh, and then the introduction to the new business owner. And uh, again, kind of hit the ground running because we had all these assets in place for them. So, I mean, on the flip side, uh, I, I'd mentioned the value in some of those assets for the seller. But if uh, you're a buyer and you're considering buying a business, you definitely want to look, you, you can even do your own due diligence. As you know, it's not that hard to figure out some of these things online, but to, to find out uh, what is in place for that particular client and their competitors. If you're thinking about buying this business, you want to know uh, what the competitors are doing as well, or at least you know what questions to ask the seller 
uh, in terms mm-hmm. of what's available uh, in digital assets and, and uh, online marketing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it just makes me think a lot about like in, when you sell a business, it's not clear exactly what the product is that you're selling. You know, you're selling, are you selling the people, the brand, the website, the social media accounts, right? Like the products, the services, yeah. like how do you kind of package that up? to sell it and and sounds like it's really possible to forget about certain things that are actually really valuable that will increase the not only necessarily not only the price of this the the purchase but also potentially the speed at which it sells because you know mm-hmm. different buyers will look at assets differently you know mm-hmm. the value to them of a piece of technology that maybe is not very useful for to you but if they bolt it onto their system could be something you know really much higher so so do you kind of like get the clients to take an inventory of like here's all the things that make up your business because i could really see you know an entrepreneur miss like making the mistake of not valuing the thing that you know maybe someone externally sees more like they see it as just like hey that's the thing we have it's not really valuable but externally other companies or other purchasers could value that much much higher than they think yeah, so a lot of great points in there, and that's really where, where we get into the nitty gritty of preparing your business for sale. So if you do think that you want to sell your business at some point, it's probably a good idea to start thinking about that as much as five years ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, now, if you find yourself in a position where and, and people sell for all kinds of different reasons, and sometimes uh, they have to expedite the sale because of uh, you know the health uh, related issue, <clears throat> Excuse me. Or, uh, you know, a lot of times there's something like a divorce or something, you know, where the, the uh, you just have to sell for whatever reason. Uh, and in those cases, uh, of course, you have to go through the process a lot quicker and then you, you may not the business may not be sellable. Uh, but anyway, if, if you're thinking about it, uh, start thinking at least two, three, four, five years ahead of time. Uh, and definitely um, to uh, one of the points you made there is that uh, you have to get your ducks in a row. Uh, and, you know, we, we do lots of uh, webinars talking about digital marketing and different things. Uh, and so this is no different in that you want to do an audit of the business, yeah. as you said. So you want to make sure uh, that uh, you've got all of your, your paperwork and your results and everything in place. And that's kind of one of there's kind of five key points. That's one of them. And that's actually a little ways down the road. But um, in terms of getting the business ready for sale, you, you kind of just want to make sure that the business is sellable. Uh, and actually, I have a meeting uh, later today with a, a client who is uh, wanting to sell. And that's we're, we're going to do a, a bit of an audit today and just find out, is the business sellable? Because statistics show that of all of the businesses that are for sale, only about 20 percent of them actually sell. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, and there's some points uh, that you can look at. And this gets into sort of the accounting, but it kind of comes down to what's called seller's discretionary income or cash flow. Uh, which is, you know, partly due, uh, has to do with the, the revenue of the business and then the, the profit. Uh, and so that right there will kind of let you know whether your business is sellable or not. Uh, and if not, then uh, hopefully if you've started early enough in the process, then uh, step number one is to start increasing the revenue. And that's often a lot about uh, marketing, of course, is increasing the revenue, but also decreasing the expenses. So right. making the business more efficient. Uh, so looking at things like in, in uh, things that we love is recurring revenue. 
So mm-hmm. making sure, and, and that'll help the business be sellable um, and, and sell a bit faster because if you've got uh, clean books, that will be more attractive to a buyer, but recurring revenue and then just the growth potential uh, for the business as well. So that's kind of step one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's um, you know, an important piece of it. And that's probably part of why it takes so long to sell a business, because if you're if your company's not on that trajectory showing, you know, the increasing revenue and, and you know, reasonably good profitability that is potentially increasing as well, you know, you probably don't have the the book history to show that the company is valuable. Right. And maybe like if you had like a tech company, you know, you, you could probably you can maybe get away with that because the value is in the tech. But a lot of a lot of purchasers, I assume, would be looking at this as like a financial, like, okay, what's the ROI I'm going to get if I spend, you know, say it's a million dollars on this business, what's my return going to be on that? Mm-hmm. And it's easier to see that within the books and the history and sort of where it's trending. But I'm assuming yeah. a lot of businesses, you know, especially if they're young, probably don't have that history of like, here's how we did last year. Here's what we did the last five years, you know? So they've got to start to put some history down and kind of lay the tracks for someone to see the value in the business. Yeah. I mean, you make a a few good points there. Um, uh, And I guess just to be clear, what I'm talking about in terms of revenue, our business is generally less than a million dollars a year in revenue. Right. Um, When you start to get over a million dollars in revenue, then I mean, we we still do kind of the coaching for them or I do the coaching to help them uh, get their business into a point where it's sellable. But if they're more than a million a year, then they're probably working with uh, an M&A, a mergers and acquisitions person. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you, uh, I mean, one, one of those other points that you made again is that you want to make sure that, uh, you, you have clean books. So if you're incorporated, then that's all the better because, uh, now yeah. you've got, uh, your, your, um, corporation, uh, what was called books of incorporation. And then you've got your annual minutes as well and your corporate registration. So that pretty much has to be in place if you're incorporated. So hopefully you've got better record keeping and you've got an accountant. But you're going to want to show at least three years of uh, T1s, you know, uh, right. tax uh, records. Uh, and hopefully, you know, it's going to be better, obviously, if you're showing uh, annual increases in uh, in revenue and profit margin. And so that was the good news for Social Media Camp when we sold. The business had been running for almost 10 years at that point. It had increased uh, in revenue every year. Uh, there was one year, I think it was about the third or fourth year when we had Chris Brogan in as one of the speakers, actually, uh, where we had we, we called the Brogan bump because he was very popular at that time. And we had a, a record turnout, it was like 750 people came out. And so uh, oh, big revenue went down a little bit and then uh, increased again uh, the next few years. So that's very attractive to uh, buyers if you can see, uh, and especially when you've got nine years of proven results. Uh, you can pretty much tell that the next year, you know, that the revenue is going to grow again. Uh, so if you're in that position, then that's great. Right. Uh, that brings us to some of the other steps is that um, you want to make sure that you've got a good team in place. But you as the business owner aren't uh, um, kind of irreplaceable. Uh, you've got to be able to take yourself out of the equation because if the business is all about you, uh, and you sell the business and take yourself out of the equation. And then suddenly, uh, you know, the team doesn't want to work with anyone else. The partners don't want to work with anyone else. You know, the sellers are going to uh, hopefully kind of sniff that out beforehand. And that's not going to be attractive to them. 
So you don't want the business to be all about you. And if it is at this point, then that's something else you're going to want to work on over the next couple of years is make sure that you've got a good team in place and that you're not irreplaceable. And also that the results that you've generated are duplicatable. Hmm. So there's three D's kind of make it easy to, to remember, but uh, make sure the business is desirable. So it's got good uh, revenue and um, cash flow. Uh, duplicatable so that the the new buyer can duplicate those results year after year and that everything is documented. So Mm. to your point, uh, having those tax records and then also all of the other, you know, depending on what the business is, you've got all of the results there uh, in place. So um, the the team and then also building systems to make sure everything is systematized. Uh, so that the seller can, and all of these documents and everything, when you have the meeting, you're going to have to present that and, and show the uh, potential buyer, uh, you know, walk them through uh, all of the systems and everything. But that's why it kind of takes a couple of years is to get all of those things in place to make sure that the business is sellable because, you know, nothing, nothing worse really than getting into that process and uh and thinking and, and most buyer or most sellers i think do think that their business is worth x and that they're going to be able to sell it uh and that's not always the case and, and if you need to sell uh, and you get quite a ways down the line and then you realize hey this isn't may not happen uh then you know you could be stuck in a bad situation yeah absolutely and i was going to ask about that because if you know if it is a smaller business you know, and, and as entrepreneurs, and I fall into this sometimes too, it, it, it's very nice to like feed your ego to be very important to the business, but it's actually the wrong thing to do. It's very hard to like separate and extract yourself from the business, but certainly if you're selling, right, unless you're going to come along with some sort of like earnout, which is not ideal, right, where you got to stick with yeah. the business for so many years to get your payout, um, you know, it's going to be very hard for someone to take over that business and it's not as easy as just okay we're just going to like replace the person because in a lot of cases i what i see and sometimes you know i fall into this as well is like the entrepreneur makes the business work by doing a lot of things but it's because it's mm-hmm. their business they're you know maybe they're just the general manager or ceo or whatever they want to call themselves but they're doing a lot more work than a regular you know operations person would do if you just replace that person then you find out, oh, I need two, three other people to support this. And yep. then suddenly the, the books that look so great don't look so great because you got to add these salaries to make it run. So, yeah, I think that extraction piece is so, so uh, important. But I've also, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you look like it's uh, Yeah, I was ahead. just going to say that's, I mean, you're very uh, correct in all of that. But sometimes all of that is up in the owner's head too. Uh, right. All of those things that they're <laughs> yeah. doing that they just, the think, oh, you know, piece. it's my day to day, you know, I do this, I do that. And then you get to the point where you want to sell and you're, and then you, when you actually do start to write it down or something here, here's what I do every day. Here are all the things I do. And if you don't have a system, then you realize, wow, it's all in your head. And of yeah. course, when you leave, you know, you take it all with you. So you got to make sure that you systematize. Uh, and you mentioned, uh, I didn't know if you wanted to get into some of the details of, of the, the sale, but there's all kinds of different ways that you can sell. There's asset sales and there's share sales and so on. Uh, and then there's earnouts as well. And you probably want to avoid an, an earnout. You, you can't always uh, to a certain degree, but what, what an earnout is, is just that uh, you don't get 100% of the, of the cash for the business up front. You get a certain percentage and then you earn the rest over time. And so you might 
as the owner, uh, you might uh, be you know, written into the contract that you stay with the business for a year. Uh, and you know, it, to make matters worse, if, if you get into that sort of situation, you may have to hit certain revenue or sales numbers each month for that year in order to get the rest of that money. And so that's probably not a situation most sellers want to get into. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's you know, is, is all part of the negotiation. But again, if you have uh, the revenue there, you have the systems, you have the team, you have all your ducks uh, in a row, then you can probably avoid that sort of situation. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely not ideal. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming in some cases it does make sense uh, and maybe helps you sell a little bit earlier. <clears throat> but if you sell and then you don't hit those numbers, you know, I'm assuming that the value that you're going to get at the end keeps going down and down depending on how the deal is structured. Um, can we talk a little bit about those those deals? You mentioned asset sale and, and other types. Yeah. Can you just talk about those the different types? Because I think that's important for people to understand as well. So I'll, I'll keep it kind of simple, uh, partly because, again, I'm not an M&A guy <laughs> or a lawyer, but an asset sale would be where, uh, you know, the, as part of the business, uh, you have, uh, you know, whether you have a real estate property, uh, you know, if you if you own the office, then real estate is part of it. All of your computers uh, and machinery is part of it. So the asset sale is just selling all of those assets as as part of the business. Uh, and then the other company, let's say they're incorporated, they just acquire all of those assets. Uh, not an accountant either, uh, but I, I kind of know some of the rudimentary parts of this. But you end up having to pay tax on that as the, the seller. Right. Uh, the ideal situation, if you're incorporated, you do a share sale. Uh, and that way you're selling the corporation, you're selling all of the shares of the corporation. Uh, the corporation is kind of dissolved and the new corporation kind of takes over that. Uh, and that's more attractive to the seller because then you uh, can use your capital gains exemption and you don't pay tax on that. So that big chunk of change that you get for selling the business uh, is tax free. And so obviously that's the ideal scenario for a seller. Um, and so I, I think there's some other kind of ways and there's some other, uh, kind of offshoots to those two types, but those are sort of the main two types. Others, again, it depends if you're a, an LLC or a partnership and so on, but I think those are the main two ways. So if you, again, if you are thinking of selling and you're not incorporated, you, you may want to consider incorporating mm -hmm. and, and then building things up over the course of two or three years so that you can do a share sale instead of an asset sale. Yeah, yeah, and that that's great. I mean, I don't think we need to go into too much detail. And uh, you know, like I said, you're not a lawyer, not an accountant, but you, know, you certainly can find professionals that can help with this stuff. But having the understanding that there is differences to this mm -hmm. and how you want to set up the company is so so important. And it really, you know, just shines a light on the fact that you do have to plan for this. You got to think about like, how do I remove myself? You know, is, is this an incorporation? What are the tax implications? You know, what does this mean for me? What does it mean for the buyer? Uh, you know, what does it mean for the for the company? Uh, there's mm -hmm. a lot that um, goes into this. So there's definitely some planning because <clears throat> from the outside, when you hear of a company sale, you kind of just assume like, oh, well, you know, maybe they started talking like a week ago, right? Or maybe they started <laughs> talking like a month ago, it's maybe more realistic. But, but probably the company's been thinking about doing this and putting things in place for years. And I think it always, like anything, any project probably takes twice as long as you think it's going to take. So if you think it's going to take a year, it's probably more like two. If you think it's going to take two, it's probably more like four. Uh, yeah. You know, is that true yeah. in this as well? Yeah. Yeah. And when we sold social media camp, uh, did, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't think it would sell right away. And you kind of, well, 
before I go into that, I'll, I'll make uh, another point, and, and you kind of raised it. We've been talking around the issue a little bit, but we talked about you know M and A people, but well, mostly lawyer, accountant, uh, and a business broker. So again, right. you definitely want to have those people in place. You want to have uh, a lawyer, uh, and you want to have a lawyer that uh, part of their repertoire is buying and selling businesses. So a corporate lawyer or somebody who's versed in uh, who has sold a business before, so they know the ins and outs of that because the, the contracts and the legalities are, are a little bit different than, you know, uh, somebody who's doing wills or, uh, you know, estate planning and so on. Uh, so a lawyer, an accountant, and again, an accountant that has sold a business before uh, because there's uh, nuances and in intricacies to that. So good lawyer, good accountant, uh, and a business broker as well. I mean, you can sell the business online and, and we can talk about, I mean, there's a couple of places, sort of like the MLS for real estate. There's bizbysell.com, where I just checked this morning, there's 127 businesses listed for sale just wow. in BC alone on there. And that's only one website. Right. Um, but you probably want to have uh, a broker and, and we sold social media camp through a broker as well. And so uh, that is a, a good way to go. Of course, you, you um, uh, it's just like using a real estate agent, you end up paying a commission on that. Sure. But uh, it does make the process a lot easier uh, and they know what they're doing. And so they know uh, kind of the ins and outs, but uh, you're going to for sure need a lawyer and an accountant. And in our case, it took about a year to sell uh, social media camp. So again, wasn't sure how long it was going to take, but I've since, since that process, uh, we've helped uh, three other businesses and they were, one was a friend's business and two were clients. We've helped them sell. And, uh, and this was kind of during COVID times. So I don't know if that, you know, was the difference or partly it had to do with their business, but they sold within six months. So it was a lot wow. faster in their case. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I wonder what it, what that is in COVID maybe, you know, some of these, uh, you know, M and a like acquirers out there weren't able to acquire, you know, maybe the first half of COVID or the first year. And so now they're hungry and they want something. And, and so they're maybe, you know, looking to yeah. buy a little bit faster. Well, I think COVID in, in not just in business, but in a lot of cases, it just kind of sped up the timelines for yeah. everything and amplified everything. Uh, there's a great book by uh, Scott Galloway called uh, Post COVID, where he talks about uh, COVID amplifying or speeding up everything by 10 years. So whatever was going to wow. happen 10 years from now, it's already happened in the last kind of six months. Um, and, uh, so one of those uh, areas was uh, business sales. And I know in, in, in the case of one of the businesses was a friend of mine, he had a vacation uh, rental business. Uh, they had, I don't know, about 20 different vacation rental units. Uh, and, uh, and he had a good business. I think they were going for about eight years, good revenue. And somebody bought it. They were from Alberta and it was a case where. Uh, it was a, a couple, a young couple that uh, I think they they, uh, they were working in Alberta and they wanted to move out west. And of course, it was something they had on their mind uh, for a while. And COVID kind of sped that up and they saw this opportunity. So they bought his business, moved everything out here uh, and, and got it up and running. Uh, and that was the same with another business that was a client of ours that sold. They, it was an online uh, content business, actually. Uh, and it sold uh, pretty quickly. But again, I think due to the nature of COVID and people having things in their mind for what they wanted to do in the future and seeing this as an opportunity just to, to speed that up. And, and uh, interestingly enough, you know, the tourism industry uh, on, on, on a whole did pretty poorly through COVID. Right. But as, as you probably know, some of the local uh, uh, outlets 
did actually pretty well because uh, in, in case of BC anyway, we, we couldn't really travel outside the province or internationally. So uh, anyone with uh, kind of properties and stuff within BC, I mean, Tofino did very well. Uh, and in this case, uh, it was in Port Renfrew. And so uh, their numbers were, I think they had one of the best years uh, because everybody locally was traveling to these places. Right. So it was just uh, an anomaly, really. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, anytime there's an economic downturn, there's always opportunity somewhere else, uh, you know, whether that affects your business or not, you know, positively or negatively is always kind of interesting. But you're right. I mean, in BC, we have, you know, a lot of great places to travel to. And so people were just exploring it a little bit more in Victoria. But it is interesting, like you said, I mean, it definitely sped up the sale of business because something that's in the tourism industry that, you know, you probably would have expected a bit of a downturn still sold fairly quickly. So it's interesting how that uh, effect uh, has, has come into play. Um, just as we as we talk about this this topic, you know, anytime that I've created a company, you know, there is a little bit of me that wants to sell that company. But I don't make that the focus of the company because otherwise the company you build is going to be something you probably don't love and that you don't want to do. It'll become more drudgery. So I've always focused on, you know, the, the people and the company you want to create and the thing that I want to go to that I love each day. And then the nice thing about that is that when you do decide, hey, I want to sell this business, you know, uh, you might turn away a lower valuation because it's not the whole purpose. Like, so if someone came to you and said, just to, just to use some numbers, like, Hey, I'll give you a million bucks. You'd say no. And then you're like, okay, we'll give you 10. I'm like, okay. Right. Like your, <laughs> yeah. your, your baby has a price. Uh, but you know, if you love the business and you like doing it and it's not drudgery and you don't have to sell it quickly uh, or because of some, you know, urgent matter, uh, if you have that luxury, you can then just say like, hey, well, I really like this business. I really like what I'm doing. I enjoy the day-to-day -day of it. And you know, maybe you're making a good salary. Then that's just going to drive up the price. So if you make kind of selling the byproduct of you know, just creating a great company, but at some point you do have to switch to kind of that like, hey, we're in selling mode. And you have to be cautious of how that may change your company or derail some things when you start to focus on these other pieces that may take away from what made your business good. So it's a, it's a tough thing to go through and I appreciate all the, the tips you've shared uh, mm -hmm. today and insights. And, uh, you know, hopefully people can reach out to you if they have any other uh, questions, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely happy to, uh, to answer questions or help anybody who's got an interest or who's got specific questions or, you know, can benefit from some of my experience. But, uh, yeah, to your point, there, there's all kinds of reasons that, that people want to sell. Uh, and I know statistically, uh, because the baby boomers are kind of coming of age, one of the, the, the most popular reason that people sell their business is because they want to retire. They've just right. they've been doing it for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. The client I'm going to see today, actually, they've been, I think it's about 25 years they've been running the business wow. uh, and they're ready to retire. Uh, you know, yeah. they just don't have the hoots before it anymore <laughs> and they want to take that money and, and go and enjoy themselves. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's lots of different reasons. But, but again, you know, you want you want to start thinking about those things, uh, you know, at least two, three, four, five years uh, in advance and get yourself ready. Um, uh, and yeah, to all those uh, those points that we've talked about already. But yeah, if anyone has any questions, I'm always uh, happy to talk and share my experience. Yeah, where 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 can uh, people find you? LinkedIn, LinkedIn already. So uh, <laughs> that would be the best place. It's got all my contact info right there. So just reach out through LinkedIn or or through uh, email. Uh, that would be the best way. Yep. 
Awesome. Well, Chris, it's been great chatting with you. I uh, always enjoy uh, connecting and, and, and chatting with you about various topics. Uh, and we're probably, uh, maybe it's a little cold right now for a paddleboard, but uh, hopefully in the springtime we can get out there again and, uh, and do Never that. Never too cold to paddleboard, Mike. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Look forward to it. All right. Thanks All a right. lot, Chris. Thanks, Mike. Bye, everyone. See you.